See, all right, let's pray for this message. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We think that it's alive, that it's active, that it's sharper than a double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. God, I believe that you put this word in my heart. We're in this part of the Bible, and God, you brought people here today. You brought them here today because you wanted them to hear this message. It could have came any other week, but they're here today. And so God, whatever may be spoken today, I pray that it goes into the hearts of everybody that's here, everybody that's watching, that they would know that God, that you wanted them to hear this message today. They wouldn't turn it off. They wouldn't get up and leave. They would listen to this message as a message from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, you have heard it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. I was supposed to do a wedding this past March in Texas and I I canceled it because... do Do you guys remember last March when all this stuff popped off? Remember, flatten the curve, two weeks? Like, you guys remember all that? Um, And so because of that, um, I, I, I... called the people. I was supposed to do a wedding, longtime friends. And I said, man, I don't want to go because I don't want to get sick. I don't want to get stuck in Texas. They were shutting down airports and cities and towns and all that other stuff. And so uh, I'm sure many of you have a story or something that you did uh, to be able to um, uh, readjust, right? For Corona? Nobody? Okay. So you readjusted for coronavirus. Um, and a lot of people have taken precautions over this past year. We've distanced and we've covered and we've washed and we've planned and we've changed our plans. And uh, people are doing everything they can do to a point to make sure that they don't get infected, they don't die, they don't get sick, wearing masks and cars at home, not shopping, not traveling, not working. And, and I've never experienced anything like this before where we are being inundated with public service announcements everywhere we go to remind us to mask up Washington and you're killing granddad. And uh, I was I, literally, I was at the hardware store and they've got a, a loudspeaker with a blue flashing light. It's like, well, make sure you mask up and they're coming for you. Like, have you guys... It's just kind of odd, right? I mean, you're just like driving down the road and there's a big flashing sign, masks save lives, stay home and all these different things. And it's everywhere. And, and it's because people are doing anything and everything at whatever cost to save lives and not die. And as I was working on this message today, I wondered if we took that drastic of a measure to stay away from sin. I wonder, I wonder if we took that same kind of approach. And every time you turned on the TV, there was a public health notice that said, stop watching porn, it's ruining your family. Every time you drove around that somebody said something, they said, you know what, you're, you're beating your wife and you're going to hell for it. 
Like, I, I wonder if there are signs that say you need to change your mind because your mind is going to send you to hell. What, what would be our response to sin then? If like all day, every day, we're inundated with reminders telling us that sin really destroys. In these verses this morning, we see Jesus using the example of lust to expose a heart condition and then uses hyperbole to describe the drastic measures that we all must take to keep ourselves from sin. Drastic measures we must take to keep ourselves from sin. And the stakes couldn't be higher. They they couldn't be higher. Hell is the destination for people that don't take it seriously. And I've heard many people say, well, I'm just a red letter Christian. That's the only part that I really agree with. Well, friend, we're in the red letters today. This is Jesus himself, savior of the universe saying, you know what? You got to get your mind right. You got to get your actions right. Because if not, it could cost you everything and you can spend eternity in hell. Jesus says this sin, it starts with your intent and, and the intent is shown in, in verse 27 it says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery in his heart to lust for her. Jesus says, this is where lust starts. It tar- starts with intent that if a man is to look at a woman with the intent to lust for her, it is a plan to sin and, and, and not just lust, but it's a plan that says I'm going to lust and this lust is going to be a sin. And I'm planning to do this sin. The second is what the Bible says in James chapter one fifteen. it says, then when desire has been conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown brings forth death. See, desire plus action equals sin and sin equals death. People, people don't wake up in the morning and say, well, I think I'll just throw my whole life away today. They, it usually starts with something in your mind and it starts with an intent. And then little comes to a lot, a lot goes, turns into a whole entire lot. The, the desire to lust is a desire to sin. And, and Jesus says the desire to lust is, a, is equal with actually committing adultery. And if you don't know what adultery is, adultery is sleeping with somebody who's not your spouse. And so Jesus is drawing attention to the fact that adultery is listed as the seventh commandment. Thou shalt not commit adultery, which the Jews were apparently using as a, as an excuse to justify lust in their heart. They're saying, well, well, I haven't done this. So I'm okay. And, 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 and it's really what a lot of people have were doing and do do is they say, well, well, I'm, well, I'm not doing this. So I haven't broken that law. So I'm not really in error and I'm not doing anything wrong because I'm operating with the confines of what the rule says. The rule says, don't commit adultery. I'm going to live an adulterous life with my mind, but because I'm not acting on it, it's okay. And Jesus says, no, the whole, I didn't do it. I just thought about it. Defense. In their minds, they thought it was okay. And Jesus says, nope, nope. Just thinking about it is enough. Like I'm judging you on the intents of your heart, not on your actions. It's, it's the equivalent of remember when you were a kid and you'd be in the back seat with your brother or your sister and you'd be like poking at each other. And then your parent would be like, you guys stop, keep your hands to yourself. And then you'd like draw that imaginary line right down the middle of the seat and be like, this is my side. And like, this is my side. And, and don't you cross it. And then it was never me, but my brother would always like be like right up on the line. Like I'm not touching you. And then I, mom, he's, he's on the, he's doing, and she's like, and he's like, no, I'm not. I'm like, I'm not. She said, don't touch you. And this literally feels worse than like this. You know what I mean? Just like, eh, get out of my face. 
The point was not to not touch your brother or sister. The point is quit bothering each other because I'm driving. That's the point. Now, without going uh, and spending a bunch of time going into every lustful scenario, I want to make it abundantly clear. According to the scriptures, God's holy Bible, this is not my opinion. Sex is for married people only. A natural born man and a natural born woman married together is the only sexual activity that God approves of. Anything outside of that standard is not biblical. And anybody that would tell you otherwise is lying and twisting scriptures. I don't have time to go into all of the minute details of the deviations from that. Okay. In addition to that, any lustful sexual thoughts that you may have are only directed to a married man and a married woman to each other, natural born within that relationship. And so any thoughts outside of that directed towards anybody else are sin. Okay. That's the Bible standard. Now, it's a very, very high bar. Jesus says anything outside of that, a longing look, an extended thought, anything. Now, I would assume that some of you may have struggled with this in your life. Thanks for one hand. I appreciate it. Rest of of you are like, I am not going to move. He's going to know I'm a dirty luster. Okay. And I'm not dumb enough to think that it's just, man, see, lust, people say, oh, guys, deal with that, man. I was in the army with a bunch of females. Y'all are just as vile. You just hide it differently. You know what I mean? And so this lust in our eyes and in our hearts has to be dealt with. But, but I don't, and here's what I don't want to do is I don't want to spend our time this morning just limiting ourselves to the sin of lust. Because what happens is, is that if you've conquered this sin, and this is why I usually don't like to spend our our time together talking about one sin, because all the people that don't struggle with that sin use it as a justification, like, well, it doesn't apply to me. I'm not dealing with lust. And so all you non-lusters, you have equally vile, disgusting things that go on in your mind. There's other things in your heart that need to be eradicated. There's other things that go on in your life. And so whatever it is that you are dealing with this morning, I don't want you to let yourself off the hook because honestly, if you're perfect and you've already figured everything out, like, why are you here? Like, go write a book, be a billionaire, like tell everybody else how you figured it out. The rest of us are, you know, in the dark searching for the light switch, just trying to make it to heaven. So, uh, the rest of us are working on stuff and what we're working on this morning is eradicating the dirty, nasty parts of our hearts so that we can make it to heaven. Amen. Amen. People have long to live too long to uh, have too long lived in a world where they think it's okay to think something that they don't act on and think that God's okay with it. And I'm telling you this morning, friend, God is not okay with that. He's not okay with it at all. Uh, God does not like you thinking things that are contrary to the scriptures, murderous thoughts, uh, lust, greed, anger, envy, covetedness, sexual deviancy. Like all of these things are thought sins that God judges you on and says, you want, you have got to change your mind. You've got to change your heart. Uh, God judges the intents of our hearts. And this is a, this is a scary thing. He looks deep into our hearts and sees what we value. This is, this is why legalism does not pay the bills. Uh, people, people say, well, you know, you're, you're a legalist. You're telling people to do this. I'm like, dude, I know from the word go that you can do everything on the external to try to look like you got it all together. But God isn't even impressed with that. The only thing that God is impressed with is your mind and your heart being aligned in his will. 
And so working on the outward and never working on the inward, I mean, you wash the cup and bowl and you leave the inside dirty. It's no, it's no point to do it all. But God knows the intents of our hearts and sees what he values. It says in Psalm 44, 21, would not God search this out? For he knows the secret, secrets of the heart. This scares me. This scares me deeply because I know I need to work on my heart. I know I'm far from perfect. See, I, I, with, with me, and, and, and some people don't like me because of this, but I'm, 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 I'm honest in that I just have a lot of stuff that I need to work on, man. Don't you, does anybody else get these thoughts that come into your mind and you're just like, oh my gosh, dude. And you're just like, I thought I was saved. And so because I love Jesus and I'm a full-time pastor, I've been serving him for 30 years and I still have like these darts from the enemy that go into my mind and things come in. I just assume that there must be three or four other guys in this room that are just like, bro, got you. I'm in, I'm in there. You with me? Perfect. This sermon's for you. Then you get to Jeremiah 17, 10. I, the Lord search the heart. I test the mind even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Not just the heart, but the mind too. God knows what I'm thinking about. Like if I'm going to give you a little out, okay? Like if you ever see me up here worshiping and some of the worship team will probably see me make faces sometimes. God, I make faces. Because I'm trying to get stuff out of my head. Sometimes you see me and if you see my head go like this, I shake it. I'm just trying to get my mind right. You say, man, that's weird. It is. It's fine. If I desperately want to get that thought out of my mind, man, I want to worship God. I want to be clued into what he's trying to say to me. Lord Jesus, help us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Enable us to live for you. We need you, Father. Friend, you need the Holy Spirit to help you. We, we can't, you cannot, we cannot. We will not meet this standard on our own strength, obviously. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us overcome this. We need it so desperately. And how do, how do we fix the intent of our hearts? The first part is you have to be born again. You have to be, you have to be made a new creation in Christ. And if, and if you're struggling on your own and you're trying to do this on your own strength, you've got to ask that question. Man, have, have I been born again? Have I gone down and, and, and killed the old man? Have I been made new? Am I a new creation in him? Now, the, <laughs> the most interesting part of this is that you can die to yourself, live for him and everything else. But the devil is still like, hey, man, we got this thing called the flesh that you're still going to deal with. I was like, I hoped after I got saved that all these desires would change and my life would be different and I wouldn't deal with this anymore. And the flesh is like, no, you're going to war with this thing for the rest of your life. The flesh still wars, even though you're born again, even though you're saved, except now you got the power of the Holy Spirit to help you not do it, to help you change. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm not who I'm, who I used to be, but praise God. I'm not who I'm supposed to be, but praise God. I'm not who I used to be. I'm I'm better, but better ain't good enough. Like I want to just keep growing in my relationship with Jesus. And so how do we do that? It all begins with being born again. And then you have got to read your Bible. Oh man, I, if you hear us say anything around here, it's read your Bible. Like we say it more than it's just Bible, 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 Bible. Why? Because it is the source of strength for everything that you need. You know, it's funny. People that read their Bible never have a problem with my preaching because they know that I'm just saying what the Bible says. 
So all the people that don't read their Bibles are like, oh, I can't believe he said this. I'm like, well, you didn't read the book beforehand. You know what I mean? It's not a hidden test where you don't know the answers. It's all in there. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than every double-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and joints marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. I read my Bible every single day. I encourage you to do the same, not because I'm a legalist, because I'm a realist. And you know what? You eat every day. You breathe every day. You, you, you uh, Things every day. Like You need the word of God. I need it. I, I, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, I need it. And when I read it and it discerns my intents and my thoughts where every day I'm reading, I'm just like, ah, something else. Like God uses it against me to say, you know what, son, this is where I need you to be. It's like a love letter from your father that says, Hey man, this is what we're going to work on this week. Do it every single day and it helps you to fight sin. Psalm 119.11, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And here's the reality, man. Preaching is supposed to convict you. It's supposed to. If you're sitting here this morning, you're a dirty, lustful adulterer and your stomach hurts, praise God. Praise God. And right now, before the message even ends, just be like, God, that's me. And I'm so sorry. And please forgive me in Jesus name. And the Holy Spirit will rush in right where you're sitting and forgive you. And be like, oh, that was so nice. I'm forgiven now and I can move forward. I'm not going to go back to that thing ever again. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. For it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. This is why I preach the way that I preach. I'd much rather you hear a message like this, never come back again, be upset with me, but I don't stand before God and say, I did not preach the whole counsel of God. I really don't care. I don't care. I'm going to stand before God for what I say. And people say, man, he was so heavy handed. Praise God. I wish someone would have told you that when you were a kid and slapped you upside the head and said, don't do this. Sorry, your parents didn't do that. It's like cleaning, man. And some, some of y'all think you have a clean house. We picked up big stuff, threw away the garbage and picked up little stuff. But when you, you clean your house and you say like, oh yeah, we cleaned house today, but you didn't clean house. You picked up the big pieces, yeah. you know, cause you clean, but then it's like, you just wipe off the counters. But like, you know, you're not picking stuff up and getting around. Like, honestly, who cleans their blinds, right? Like one of you. Okay. <laughs> Well, la di da. <laughs> When's the last time you removed the dryer tube and cleaned out the lint? Dang it! Okay. Have you opened up the tank on the back of the toilet and cleaned out the stuff inside of the tank? Vile! Vile! They're living like pigs down in Puyallup. There's always something to clean. I tell you, man, I'm six foot five. When I come to y'all's house, none of y'all clean it on top of the fridge. None of y'all. I come into your house and I judge you in my heart. I'm like. Got to get the, you got. Don't say it's all cleaned out if it ain't all cleaned out. You laugh and it's funny, but I'm talking about your vile, nasty hearts. Don't play this game and say like, well, you know, I cleaned it. 
still places that aren't clean enough, man. It's just not. And we lie to ourselves and it was funny. I'm not picking on you guys. It was fun. But like, you know, we we lie to ourselves. We say, well, I did this, so I'm good. And it's like, no, dude, uh, once that is done, let's get into the deep cleaning. Let's get into those places that, that you don't talk about at parties. You know what I mean? Remind ourselves of the stakes. First Corinthians four or five. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes who both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. And each one's praise will come from God. Friend, Jesus is going to come and reveal our hearts. And that's, that's scary, man. We should pray that he finds us well. There'll, there'll be no secrets before him. All lies, all deceit, all thoughts and intents laid bare. This is why salvation is such a beautiful gift. Because the only card I'm going to have is say, man, I, I just plead Jesus, my advocate. I plead that he, he's, my, he's my righteousness. He's my salvation. I, I wasn't good enough and I couldn't do it good enough. I did the best I could with what I had. But my only standing before you, Lord, is Jesus. That's all I have. That's why you need the gospel. Romans 2.16, in the day which God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. This is, this is why I'm so surprised with infighting within the church and within marriage relationships. Like how, how do you have time to fight amongst yourselves when you got so much you need to be working on? Like you do not have the time to be worried about other people. Dude, you have more than enough to work on. You, how do you have extra time laying around to figure out what's wrong with somebody else? Yeah. Yeah. If you were really spending the time laying bare before God, you'd be like, dude, I just, I don't even have time to, and honestly, that's how it is a lot of times with, with people. I'm just like, dude, I ain't got time to worry about what's going on. I'm, I'm not going on what's going on with me. So don't, don't hide. If you're, if you're struggling in a mind sin that you don't want to come to fruition, because that's the action part is going to come. If you don't tackle the mind part, the action part is going to come. I promise you, I've seen it time and time again in my own life and other people's lives as well. And so you cannot hide. Do not hide from that. You have to find a trusted friend to talk with about it and get some accountability. As soon as that stuff, and I have people that I call, like something comes into my mind. I'm like, dude, 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 Pastor John. I'm like, oh my gosh, dude. I just think he's like, dude, you're going to go to hell. Quit that. I'm like, uh, okay, I got it. I got it. I just get it out of my head. Now here's a few scriptures to remind you that you can't hide from God. You, you can never come back here and not listen to what I say, but you cannot hide from God. Jeremiah 23, 24. Can anyone hide himself in the secret places? So I shall not see him, says the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? Ecclesiastes 12, 14. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Job 34, 21. For his eyes are on the ways of man and he sees all his steps. There's no darkness nor shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. Quit living the secret life, man. Just stop. Don't pretend because no one knows your thoughts that it's okay. It's not. And not just lust. It's any other sin. This is why we want to cover them all. If you have, if you have envy in your heart towards somebody else, if you have covetedness in your heart towards somebody else, if you have murderous thoughts in your heart towards somebody else, God sees it, he doesn't like it, and he's going to call it into account. So the time is now to repent of it, ask for forgiveness, and just move on. Just move on. Change your intent. Make your intent to honor God and not fulfill the, the lusts of the flesh. Now, here's the second part of it. The second part of it is in overcoming the sin is you have to change your attitude about sin. If you don't have a bad attitude, if you don't have a good attitude about a bad, 
If you don't have the right attitude about sin, you're not going to win the war. Uh, Verse 29, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. We titled the message today, Pluck Out Your Eye. We got that um, visual up here again for the sermon slide. I thought it was really good because it was my idea. And um, got the three stooges and the poking out. Come on, that's funny, right? Um, and, and, and this, this statement where Jesus said, pluck your eye out, it's a hyperbolic statement, hyperbole. And hyperbole means this hyperbole means something that, that isn't going to happen. Like you guys are like, oh my gosh, that sermon was forever. It, it wasn't forever. Right? You're like, oh my gosh, I'm so hungry. I could eat a horse. I'm like, no, you couldn't. Right? I'm dying of hunger. It's hyperbole, right? It's, it's like when you're with your spouse and you say, you always, never, every. Yeah. It's not true. I don't always leave the pantry open. I mostly leave the pantry open. <laughs> I don't never pick up my underwear. I rarely pick up my underwear. And that's what hyperbole is, right? Hyperbole is making these... De- and so when Jesus says, if your eye's the problem, rip your eye off. If your hand's the problem, rip your hand off. He's not saying this. It's clear he's not saying this because if you look at the, uh, uh, like the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, he didn't pluck her eyes out. He didn't cut her hands off. Uh, Paul didn't do this when he excommunicated uh, uh, the, the sexually immoral from the Corinthian church. He didn't cut their hands off. He didn't pluck their eyes out. That, that's, and people say, well, is the Bible supposed to be taken literally? Listen, man, get some literature in your mind. Jesus used hyperbolic statements to prove a point. And the point is this. You have got to change your attitude about your sin. You've got to think about it in drastic, drastic ways. You can't just simply be like, eh, it's not that big of a deal. Jesus says, no, man, it's a huge deal. Because wouldn't it be better to not have your eyes and make it to heaven? Wouldn't it be better to, better to not have your hands and make it to heaven? And so he uses this language to try to say to the people and us, don't sin, man. Do whatever it takes. What's your attitude and your plan to keep you from sin? Is it, is it a lackadaisical, come what may attitude, or is it a win at all costs fight against sin? The Bible says in Ephesians 5, 17, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And I will tell you, man, if you are not fully engaged in the fight against sin, you will not win. You're just not like if, if you're overcome with sin, it's probably because you're just not in the fight. Like you just... You've, you've abdicated your thing. It's like, dude, whatever. I've just given myself over to it. The Bible's clear. First Peter four, two, that he should, excuse me, that he no longer should live the rest of his, his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Now, who else here watches the YouTube? Anybody else? Now, there's a lot of YouTubers <laughs> and I, and I like the YouTube. There's random stuff that I end up watching that makes no sense at all. Anybody else comes up and you're recommended and you're like, gosh, I'm really interested in beaver dams now. Like, um, I went down the rat, that rabbit hole for a few hours. One of, one of the YouTubers that I watch talks about, um, self-defense and, and self-defense. It's something, you know, it's just my military background. I'm hypervigilant, um, in my self-defense. And so I, I watched this YouTuber that talks about, um, ways to keep yourself safe in public and not be a victim of violence. 
And, and one of the things he talks about is it all talks with, starts with attitude, right? You have to have an attitude to protect yourself. And, and I know some of you guys are looking at me like, oh my gosh, man, why are you so paranoid? Dude, I'm not paranoid. I'm just ready to roll. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, if, if, I, if I'm in a restaurant, I'm in a store, dude, I know where the door is. I know where the next trigger, the next target is. And I know I'm, I'm like, I'm back to the, let's go. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just got to be ready. Like, get ready, stay ready, ain't got to get ready. That's just how I roll. And so this YouTuber talks about this attitude of defending yourself. And, and he, say, he uses language like, if you don't have the attitude, you're not going to win the day. He says things like, pray looks for meat, so don't look like lunch. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he uses this phraseology. Now, let me tell you this. I am a pastor. I'm not a self-defense trainer. I'm, this is being recorded. I'm not advocating anything. Your safety is your responsibility. Don't say pastor said, Okay. But this guy, the thing he talks about, like, say if you're like in a convenience store or somewhere and then somebody pulls a gun or they have a knife or whatever, if let's say you don't have your weapon on you or somebody gets his draw first, let me give you a free little lesson, man. You're never going to beat a drawn gun. So if someone else got their gun drawn, you're never going to beat a drawn gun, just comply. But what he talks about is he says, you have to wait your turn, feign compliance until it's time to make your move. And so uh, when, when somebody's got a gun and they're like, hands up, whatever. And then if somebody turns this way and the gun's no longer pointed at you, you've got a decision point there where you can say like, I'm going to try to disarm this person or I'm not going to try to disarm that you wait your turn and then you go for it. And he says, when you go for it, you go for it with everything that you have. Like you can't be like, sir, your gun's pointed in the opposite direction. I'd like to disarm you. No, dude, you come like you just bang, bang, kick, rap, turn the weapon. You know what I'm saying? You got to go. You take that iced tea and pow, and you hit him in the face. You know what I'm saying? Like some of y'all got that joke. I'm like, what is this iced tea? (laughs) Dude deserved it. I've never seen a knockout like that in my life. It was beautiful. Back to the sermon. When it comes to sin, though, you've got to have some sort of attitude about it. You really do. You can't have this kind of like, eh, it's okay. Like, bro, come at it with everything you got. Don't let take this like, oh, well, it'll eventually take care of itself. Dude, your life is at stake. You better use everything that you have. You better come at it with everything that you have. Do not take it lightly. Romans 13, 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. No provision. Your attitude should be to not make any provision for the flesh. None. Your attitude should be, man, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to fight it with everything that I got. You pray, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit inside of me. God, change the intents of my heart. I want to fight this thing with everything that I got. You cannot expect to win a fight if you don't have an attitude to win. You just can't. You got to fight. You got to eye gouge the devil. You got to kick him in the knee. You got to do everything that you can, man. You just have to. So how do we do that? You do things that please God. Just make your, in your mind, it's like, dude, I'm a guy that pleases God. That's just what I do. John 8, 29. And he who sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone for I always do those things that please him. Now we've already established that God knows all your secrets. We've established that. We also know that he knows where you go and what you do. He also knows your attitude about sin. But are you just dealing with your sin as just an expectation of something that happens or you're dealing with it with a, with a mindset that says this thing must be eradicated. 
Because if it's not dealt with, it will end in, it will end in death. It'll end in death for the things you experience on this side of heaven. And it'll end in eternal death without being able to go to heaven. Like the stakes could not be higher. And so it's, it's imperative that we deal with it. And, and, and you just, you've got to be drastic about it, man. Uh, many of you know, my wife and I, we moved, uh, we moved from Covington. We, we moved to Edgewood because uh, we bought a larger home because my mom's going to move in with us. She's aging. She needs some care. And so we're going to live together with my mom. That's why we moved. It's an older house. It was built in 1974. It's got a crawl space. And because of the crazy real estate market, uh, you can get an inspection, but you can't back out of the deal or whatever because you just like buy it as is. But we still got an inspection because we kind of want to know what's going on with the house. It's a nice house, older, but had a mouse infestation uh, in the crawl space. Oh man, like, you know, and it was like the, the, the fiberglass was falling down and the droppings and everything else. And there was like glue traps that in the basement where you see like all these mice and I'm just like, all right, we'll deal with it. And so bought the house, the house closed. We went to go talk to the owners and they're beautiful people, man, but everybody lives their life differently. It's fine. This is not about the owners because they're gracious people. Um, and, and so I was just kind of like asking, like, so I noticed a little bit of mouse activity in the basement. And she was like, oh, yeah, it's been going on for years. It's not a big deal. I mean, we see a mouse, you know, every once in a while, but then we've never seen any in the kitchen. It's, gonna be okay. it's like, I wouldn't worry about it too much. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I, one's too many. Like, <laughs> dude, like the first week I was in there, like we paid the pest control and they ripped out all of the everything. And then like, it was good for, I saw one little mouse. I was like, dude, y'all coming back. <laughs> like no mice are going to be it. Cause what happens is you leave it to your, leave it. And then it like crawls in the walls or getting your wires. Next thing you know, you're living in a mouse infested house. It's like, that was sin, man. You just got, you got to get that thing out. Now, now listen to me, young people. There's, there's some young people. Hey, young people, if you're under 18, you don't have a job. Listen to me. Okay. Even if you're over 18, you don't have a job. Listen to me anyway. Young people, look at me. I want to see your eyes. All of you, I'll call you out by name if you're not looking at me. You guys are endeavoring to live a life that many of us never had to live before. And, and, and there are powers that are trying to control every aspect of your life. And, and, and I'm not being black hat helicopter guy. I'm being a realist, man. This social media thing is, is attempting to destroy you. And if you can't handle it, if you feel a certain kind of way when you're on an app, if you feel like you're not good enough, if you feel like you're not strong enough or whatever, get rid of that thing. Just get rid of it. Delete the app. You don't need to be on snap talk, Twitter face, <laughs> me, we, all that nonsensical Instabook, like you don't need any of it. All, all of these, all of these things are just trying to make you feel like you're not good enough and they don't want you to serve God. Be drastic about it. Just say, you know what? And all, you're like, all my friends are on there. All these people that make you feel like you're not good enough want you to stay on this app so they can bully you anymore. Just delete it, man. Just be done with it. Follow f- kids from youth group and just like, you know, share scriptures and pictures of being at the mall eating Cinnabon. You know what I mean? Just be done with it. Just be drastic about it and don't worry about it. Don't worry about what are people going to say? No, get rid of it. And and it comes the other thing about like dating and all that other stuff. Dude, don't date. Like don't. Would the married people agree? Don't date. Yeah, dude. It's a waste of time and money. Just don't. No, just wait till God brings you your spouse. Let that be the first person that you kiss. It'll be fine. I'm not like everybody else. You don't want to be like everybody else. Let me tell you. 
have a clean mind, clean, pure heart. You have a great life. I'll do your wedding here because you're never going to leave. And then <laughs> it would be great. And you'd be like, remember that time way back in 2021, I made a decision that I was going to be drastic about the sin of my life. You will have a great, honorable, God-fearing life if you can start to work on sin now. <laughs> Don't worry about all your nerd friends that do dumb stuff. You can make it. My kids are super cool. They really are. They don't take part in all that nonsense. Anyway, back to the notes. Things left to themselves do not get better. You have to be drastic. Our God is pleased when you live in holiness. He is pleased when you don't feed the flesh. So we don't live according to the flesh. The Bible is very clear, Romans 8, 8. So those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And what is living according to the flesh? It's giving into any emotional, physical desire. Yeah. It's when you have a physical desire and then you give yourself over to it. This is why I advocate restrictive eating and exercise. And, and it's not just because uh, for all, I mean, there's a host of reasons why. Uh, and, and people say, well, I see the pictures that you post on, on social media. Yeah, dude, because nobody's excited about the cabbage salad that I ate. Like... Most of my diet is lean meats and fruits and vegetables. That's the bulk of what I eat. And so when I finally get to not eat that, I'm really excited. I want to share with all my friends. Um, but, but, but discipline is transferable. And, and this is the part of like Christian discipline, the idea of living a disciplined life. If you have no discipline in any other area of your life, like you don't keep your car clean or you don't keep your house clean or you don't watch your diet or you don't manage your money or you don't manage your sleep schedule and you just live this wanton, like come as it may, like I have no discipline in my life. And then the Bible says, have discipline in this area of your life. And you're like, well, I don't even know how to do that because I can't even get up on time in the morning. It's really like it's transferable. And so the the disciplined life is a good disciplined life. If you cannot eat a a certain food and then some thought comes up, you've already trained like, dude, I'm a fighter. I'm going to fight this thing and I'm not going to give myself over to this thing, but you've got to be involved in the process and you cannot take a day off. You will pay the price for indulgence. And the problem with modern day Christians is many people do not want to live a disciplined life. They just don't. They want to figure out what the absolute bare minimum is they have to do to get into heaven. Like, oh, you want me to weep? Come to the altar, raise my hand. Does that mean I'm saved? Because then I can go to heaven and I don't have to do anything different. I'll even go down in y'all's water to make it pretend like, is that enough? And then can I be, I'm never going to come back to church and not going to follow Jesus, but I just want to have some false sense of assurance that isn't at all connected with reality. It preys on our flesh. I mean, how many get rich quick schemes are there out there? And how many lose weight without having to exercise schemes? Be like, I want that. Why? Because our flesh wants to get everything and do nothing. Who doesn't want to get rich with no work? Who doesn't want to have a perfect body without any work? We all do. And so if we have this idea of a Christianity where you don't have to do anything, you don't have to be involved in the process. You're like, what? And I get to go to heaven. This is a great deal. It's just not biblical. That's not what it says. Colossians 1.10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's what you're doing today. You're increasing in the knowledge of God. So here's the last part. And last part, I mean, turning the corner. I always have to remind you guys. You guys say last part, like, oh, great. He's almost done. I'm not. You don't have anywhere to be. It's fine. It's just the Browns playing. It'll be fine. Um, uh, so you have to take action. And Jesus' action that he uses here in hyperbolic fashion, but again, uh, plays, is it's cut off and cast it from you. And again, this is a, a, a drastic statement to draw distinction to the ends that you must go to destroy the sinful nature. Scripture repeatedly demands that we no longer live according to our sinful desires. 
Now, I want to remind you of this. All these scriptures that I share to you from the New Testament that were written by Paul, they were written to churches with professing Christians. This wasn't a manual that he handed to the non-believer and said, this is how you get there. These are people that were, you know, martyrs dying for their faith in churches that were getting it wrong. And Paul to say like, hey, brother and sister, let me help you get more squared away. So these apply to us as well. And, and for these other people that, you know, you've got, you know, things in your mind that you want to fight, you'd rather fight against me and my theology than you'd rather fight your sin is that uh, uh, people say, oh, you know, he's such a legalist and he preaches a works-based gospel. I've already made it abundantly clear. My works are not going to get me to heaven. It's only going to be the grace of God that's going to allow me into the thing. But the Bible is abundantly clear that there's work that needs to be done in my mind, my heart, my intents, my actions, as I proceed in sanctification and holiness. I've been serving God for 30 years. I'm still working on stuff. If you've been serving God for two years and you're perfect, man, please start a church. There's a bunch of people that need what you have. But for the rest of us that are broken in the dark, looking for the light switch, like we're just going to get there together. Amen? Amen. And so we're going to take some action. We're going to take some action against these struggles with the flesh. This is why the Bible says in 1 Peter 1 14, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, Romans 12 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Ephesians 4 22, that you put off concerning your former conduct. You, you put off your former conduct. The old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Colossians 3.10 And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So the action is very, very simple. Don't conform to former lusts. Quit longing for the things you used to do and be about, okay? You're just never going back to the club. You're just not. There's nothing good there, okay? The times used to party and all the stuff they used to do, like it's done. Quit looking back and fantasizing on it like it was a good thing. It was a dirty, nasty, vile thing. You should praise God you were delivered from it. Don't be conformed to the world. Quit trying to be a worldly person, You have just got to set it in your mind. Like the world isn't going to like me. They're not going to understand me. And I'm just going to be okay with it. I'm just going to be okay with it. You know, if everybody thinks I'm a nerd because my family goes to church and my family's here on Wednesdays and Sundays and my kids don't do what your kids do. And then my kids get married to somebody of the opposite sex and then live a fruitful life and have successful lives. And you're like, whatever happened? Where do we go wrong? It's like, well, you know, you had a chance to be able to set your, you know what I mean? We're going to end today with a baby dedication. Somebody's going to set their child right on the path. I tell you, man, you keep that boy in church and he's going to serve God one day. But it starts with y'all. We're going to talk to you about it when you get up here. (laughs) Be renewed by the spirit of your mind. Quit giving up the mind battle. Think about sin differently and destroy it. Just destroy it and and put on the new man. Put on the new man. A a new man does not do what the old man did. He just doesn't. He just doesn't at all. So you have to make it differently. I'm a man who does this. I'm not a man that does that. And you have to be drastic about it. Cut it off. Cut it off. Pluck it out. Pluck it out. Do whatever it takes. And if you don't feel like a new man fighting the flesh, be born again. 
God loves you so much. He loved you enough that he's going to give you his spirit to live inside of you and that you can live forever for him. Become a Christian. Here's what I don't understand. I've never been to prison, never been in the back of a police car. I don't have a record yet. And uh, if I ever went to prison for anything other than being a Christian, I would make a decision that I never wanted to go back there. And, and for people that have been there, you don't have to raise your hands. Uh, people have been to jail or prison. The smart ones go, man, I learned my lesson. I don't ever want to go back there again. I don't, I don't know anything that's good there at all. I hear the food's bad and the people there aren't that encouraging. And like, it's, <laughs> it's hurt. It's not that good. You know, <laughs> it was kind of funny. <laughs> Would you not laugh? But here's what I wouldn't do is when I got out of prison, anybody or anything that would even be remotely close to sending me back to prison, I would never talk to them again. I don't care if they were my blood relatives. I wouldn't go to their house. I would move towns. I would change my name. I would find a new job. I would do anything that I needed to do to keep me out of prison because I would never want to go back there again. There's a sermon in there somewhere. We get delivered from our sin and then people want to come back and they just want to dabble. They just want to be like, wow, it's not that big of a deal. Like, you know, I've been delivered from it, but it's okay. They don't want to do anything drastic. They don't want to take any action. Dude, if you've got a problem with porn, then get rid of the internet. You say, well, I need it for my job. Get a new job. People say, well, I can't get a new. For it would be better for one of your members to perish than your whole body to be cast into hell. Say, man, hey, didn't you used to work with computers? Yeah, man. Now I dig ditches. Why? Because I don't want to go to hell. Like I was, I was alone in a server room all the time. It was sending me straight to hell. But now I'm digging this dirt. I'm dirty. I'm nasty. I'm out in the elements and I'm not going to hell. But what are you going to do, man? Get rid of your TV. Like change your job. Move someone across the street. Move your house. Do whatever. Get drastic about it. Say, I'm not going to live this way. This is, like, I'm not going to drive it. If you have to drive 10 minutes or out of the way on the way home because you keep driving by somewhere else that causes you to sin, then don't do it. Tell your friend, like, dude, I always stop here. I'm going to put myself on GPS. Look at my timeline. I want to know. I want you to know where I'm at 24 hours a day. You can't handle your money. Let somebody else handle your money for you. Be drastic about it. Just be honest and say like, hey, man, I just can't handle this. You know, Crystal and I, we go to the gym and, and what I noticed within COVID is that like, um, my mind uh, and, and surprise, like I've dealt with lust, uh, it's just honest. And so, you know, I, I, over COVID with not being at the gym after a couple months, I said to my wife, I was like, Hey man, I noticed my mind's a lot cleaner when I'm not at the gym with people that don't care about my purity dressing the way that they do. And it's not anything against my wife or I, we love great marriage and I love her and we're just great or whatever. But I was just like, after a couple months, I was like, my mind's cleaner. And I'm just like, wow, maybe that's why. Yeah. And I was like, so when we go back to the gym, can we just make sure that we go at the time before all those people show up? Because I still want to go to the gym. But, and, and Crystal's like, yeah, no problem. I don't care. Yeah. She's not like, oh, you dirty luster. Why can't you get your heart right? Like she's, she knows the heart of man and she's, I'm honest with my wife. I'm like, this is something I need help with. I just want to, I want to honor you. I want to honor God. And I'd much rather just talk about it and just like be okay with it. And if I got to work out at home and I go to the gym to be able to keep my mind clean, then that's just what I got to do. We'll invest money in our own exercise equipment. I'd rather just go to heaven. I just would. And I just share that with a little bit of vulnerability because I don't want you guys to think that I've already arrived. Okay. I'm going to end, thank you. And I'm going to uh, end with this scripture and then we're going to dedicate this baby. All right, First Thessalonians chapter four. 
Philippians. Excuse me, I apologize. You know you can love Jesus and not know exactly where the scripture is every single time? It's fine. That's why they put the titles on the pages. All right. Plea for, pure, pre, uh, plea for purity. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you received from us how you ought to walk and please God. For you know that what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Are you listening? For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we also forewarned you and testified, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I want you to give you an opportunity to respond to that this morning. It's really quite simple. Either you're a Christian or you're not. Either you've given your life to Jesus or you haven't. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never been set free from the law of sin and death, if you've never done it, today is your day. I want you to be in heaven with me, man. I want you to live that God life. I want you to be filled with this spirit. And if, and if you've never given your life to Jesus before, you'd like to give him your life today. I want you to raise your hand right now. Right now. Say that to me. I want to be a Christian. Anybody? Don't let this moment pass you. Maybe you've been far from God. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. And I'm not talking about a bad week. I always say this. You've been far from God, man. Away. Months. Years. You've been waiting for a time to come back to Jesus. Today is your day. Do you need to come back to God? Rededicate? Raise your hand. I want to pray for you as well. I see that hand, brother. I see that hand. At our church, we always invite people, if you'd like to come up front and have someone pray with you, to have a moment in time where you've rededicated yourself. Now, here's, I always say, man, if you can't stand up in a room full of Christians and say, I want to walk with God, you're going to struggle going back into that world. So if you'd like someone to pray with you, feel free to walk up to the front and someone will pray with you this morning. For the rest of us, if you've got areas of your life, not just, we talked about it, not just lust, you know you know that you got things in your mind that need to be made right. Just pray. Say, Lord, get this, make my intents right. I want to honor you with every part of my life. Father, we pray that you would change the intents of our hearts, God, that we live a life holy and completely pleasing to you, Lord. Let's have a good attitude. Change our attitude about sin, sin, Lord. Let us be drastic about it. Let it honor you. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.